Uh, before we begin this morning, I want to go back and just reiterate, uh, we're studying the events that lead up to Jesus Christ coming back and establishing his kingdom. The importance of this time and the importance of what we're studying is that after the fall, for 6,000 years in that range of time, 6,000 years, man has been under the curse of sin and the world has been cursed and Satan has been the God of this world. And the world is anticipating the coming of the second Adam, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to take dominion back of the world and establish a kingdom on this earth to demonstrate what it was supposed to have been like for man to have dominion and to rule the earth. And for 6,000 years, we've been under the God of this world who's had far-ranging impact on the world and who is going to be, have a greater impact in the few days, in the few years to come. But God has promised that there's coming before the kingdom age, there's coming a judgment time where God is going to establish his nation again, Israel. He's going to bring them to salvation and he's going to bring a remnant out of this time of judgment to go into the kingdom age and receive the blessings and the promises that were promised to Abraham and through the prophets. And before that comes about, he is going to enter into the world into a second time of worldwide judgment. The first worldwide judgment was the flood, and the second worldwide judgment is going to be this seven-year period of God pouring out his wrath and judging the earth in anticipation of bringing in the kingdom age. So that's what we're studying about. We're studying about the second advent of Christ, which is the events that lead to the kingdom age of Jesus Christ. So that's kind of why it's important. We're getting near to the end of the 6,000-year reign of the devil and reign of curse of, of the earth, and we're getting prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom on earth. So it is important that you understand that and put it in the context. It's not just that, oh, there's coming tribulation and we're going to go through it or not go through it and all this. No, it's, it's very important to understand the impact of why this is going to take place. These things have to take place for the, for the nation of Israel to be brought back into a relationship with God that can go into the kingdom age as a redeemed Israel. And to get there, we have to go through this time of Jacob's trouble. We have to go through the times of the Gentiles, and we have to bring that to a conclusion. Now, we begin, uh, we've already got uh, the beginning of the tribulation time, the beginning of this series of judgments and the wrath that's being poured out. We talked about what's going to occur in the, the beginning of the tribulation is the seals. And again, I want to go back and just give you a clear understanding about the seals because there's so much uh, confusion about the seals themselves they are not part of a series of judgments. The seals are the entirety of the seven-year events. The book is the, the right to rule the earth, the, the scroll that was in heaven that was sealed with seven seals, is the dominion of the earth, the right to the rule, the title deed of the earth, the, the right for the Lord Jesus Christ to come back as the second Adam, as the King of kings, Lord of lords, and to rule the earth. And what is going to allow that to take place is these seals have to be broken so the book can be opened the book to rule the earth. And so the seals are broken at the very beginning. And so when you see the seals, you're looking at a, a view down through the seven years. So you break the first seal and you see the program of the Antichrist. And it begins at the beginning of the seven years when he signs the covenant with Israel. And that starts the time clock for seven exact years. And as you look down that first seal, the events or the, the consequences or the outflow of that first seal is the program of the Antichrist. And he has a program where he begins and he develops a, a importance or he develops a statue by combining with a one-world religious system and the ten kings that have a one-world system, a political system in place. And he, puts, he uses them to, to establish himself. At the midpoint, he takes it over completely. And then at the end, he is the dictator and the ruler. And he imparts himself to be the god of this world. So that's the program of it, and it's unfolded with the first seal. The second seal is the unfolding of it, God is taking peace from the earth. And this means that worldwide conflict. Now you have ten kings in place that are ruling the earth in a political structure, but there is constant rebellion against these kings. And so you have a major war at the beginning of the tribulation, you have a major war at the middle of the tribulation, and then you have Armageddon coming at the end of the tribulation, and in the meantime... There's constant rebellion against the, the authority of these kings throughout the earth. 
It's worldwide. So worldwide, there's going to be constant conflict during this seven-year period. So the second seal is the unfolding or the unfolding of warfare or the taking away of peace from the earth. The third seal is famine and, and disease. And what happens is because of the judgments that are going to fall during the tribulation, because of the wars that are going to be going on constantly through the tribulation, there's going to be a constant shortage of supply of food. So as you look down the third seal, it's, it just says that throughout this seven-year period, there's going to be a shortage of food, a shortage of things that give health to your being. So there's going to be famines and disease and things that flow out of not having enough food, not having enough fresh water, not having the things that you need to be healthy. So there's going to be the pollution of the earth that's going to cause, the warfares and the pollution of the earth is going to cause this famine to extend throughout the seven years and to get increasingly worse as you go into the seven years. But it's not a one-time judgment of famine. It, it goes through the entire seven years. The fourth seal is death that comes about because of four things. It's the, the death that comes about during the seven years because of the wars, because of the famines, because of the disease, and because of wild animals. They're going to kill one-fourth of the world's population throughout, during that seven-year period. It's a, this doesn't happen at one time at the beginning, and then you go into the next judgment. No, you're looking at the entirety of the seven years and the impact of these four things going to have on humanity, which is going to kill one-fourth of the world's population. So if you have, if you have 8 billion people on earth, one-fourth of the population is going to be killed. Is eight, is 2 billion people will die during that seven years from these four things. Others are going to die from other things, but they, they're going to be a fourth of the world's population to die from just these four things. Now, the fifth seal is that God is going to use this seven-year period to bring about a revival of saints and believers. And the 144,000 Jews are going to be sealed at the very beginning of this seven-year period to be the witnesses of God during the seven years. And so throughout the entirety of the seven years, there's going to be the proclaiming of the gospel of the kingdom, and people are going to get saved, and many of those that are get saved will be martyred during the seven-year period of this judgment of God on the final seven years before the kingdom. Now, the first half of that seven-year period, the first three and a half years, you're going to have a one-world religious system put in place. It's called the harlot in chapter 17 of Revelation. It is a false religious system that is going to impose the agenda of the Antichrist, which is anti-Christian or anti-Christ. And so you cannot name the name of Christ. The name of Christ is going to be taken away. So what's going to happen is when the church is raptured out, Christendom as we know it today is made up of all kinds that profess the name of Christ. Christendom is going to apostatize. This is what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2. The apostasy must take place. The apostasy is when the Christian church, the Christendom, the Catholic church, all the other Protestant churches that are not true believing churches, they're going to reject the name of Jesus and go with the agenda of the Antichrist, impose a one-world religious system, and anybody that follows Jesus or, the, or gets saved because of the preaching of 144,000, anybody that's saved will be persecuted in the first half by this false religious system, and many of them will be put to death. So that's why it says in Revelation 17 that the blood of the saints is, is, is on the head of this harlot, this, the mystery Babylon. It's a false religious system. In the second half of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to destroy this religious system at the midpoint, and he's going to say, I'm God. There's no need for a religious system. You worship me. And he's going to impose the mark of the beast. And the mark of the beast means you are celebrating him as your God, and you are believing in him as your God, and you take upon his, him, you take upon yourself his mark, and you become tied to, to the Antichrist and to Satan. And then if you do not, and he finds you, he will cut your head off. And we'll go into these as we get into the, the events of the midpoint of the tribulation. But see, the, the, the fifth seal talks about the martyrdom of the saints. And it's not a one-time martyrdom of the saints. It is a martyrdom that's looking through all the saints that come out of the great tribulation of all the way through. The first half being from the religious system, the second half being from the Antichrist. But during the seven-year period, saints that come to know Christ during the tribulation by the preaching of the 144,000 and by the two witnesses and by the angels proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom through the heavens, they're going to be saved, and then many of them will die a martyr's death. 
Now, the sixth seal is when the natural disasters, God unleashes the natural disasters of the world. He begins with a blackout of the earth, blackout of the sun, and the sun goes dark, and the moon turns red, and there's earthquakes, and then this begins a series of natural disasters that continue throughout the seven years. So throughout the seven years, you're going to have multiple blackouts, you're going to have multiple earthquakes, you're going to have multiple things that flow out of the natural order that God has created. And God is going to use these natural means to bring His wrath and His judgment upon the earth throughout the seven-year period at various times. Now, the, the, six, the seventh seal is unique and different because in the seventh seal, you have opening up seven trumpets. Now, the seven trumpets show you the supernatural disasters that God is going to bring about during the seven-year period. The first six trumpets we talked about last week, the first six, six trumpet judgments are consequential. I mean, the first one unfolds, and then the second one unfolds, and the third one, and the fourth and fifth. And as we get to, this, to the midpoint of the tribulation, you have the sixth seal, which is the second woe. The sixth seal is the 200,000 demons that are unleashed upon the earth that kill a third of humanity. Now, this is in addition to the fourth that are killed during the fourth seal. These are a third, these, these 200 million demons kill a third of humanity on the earth at the right before the, the middle of the tribulation time. They have a short period of time that they are unleashed and they kill a third of humanity right before the middle of the tribulation. It's called the second woe. So the first woe is the unleashing of demons to bring sores and, and, uh, for five months upon the people that are not sealed. The ones that are sealed are the 144,000. So the ones that are not sealed are brought the sores for the, and the, the first woe judgment. The second woe judgment is this 200 million, which brings us to chapter 11, verse 14. And it says, the second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Now the second woe, which was the 200 million demons. And now we're right at the end of the, the, the first half of the tribulation. The tribulation is divided equally into 1260 days and 1260 days. We're at the, at the end of that. We have talked about last week the two witnesses that are going to be prophesying in Jerusalem for the first 1260 days when the Antichrist who is going to... Uh, we'll, we get back, we'll talk about that in a minute because I'm going to talk about what happens at the, at the midpoint in just a second. But here we have the, the second woe is passed. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. And so in, in verses 15 through 19 of chapter 11, it is a pronouncement that the Lord is going to accomplish the finality of His judgment and bring in His kingdom. At the next three and a half years is going to bring the finality of His judgment and bring in the kingdom. And this is a pronouncement of that's, that's going to happen. So in verse 15 he says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in heaven. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God the Almighty, who, who art and was, because thou hast taken thy great power and hast begun to reign. And the nations were enraged, and thy wrath came, and the time came for, their, for the dead to be judged, and the time to give the reward to thy bondservants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to those who fear thy name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple, and there were flashes of lightning, and sounds, and peals of earth, thunder, and an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. So here you have a, a vision or a proclamation of the next three and a half years that's going to bring in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the seventh trumpet sounds, which begins the, the last three and a half years. Now, what was the seventh trumpet? It was called the third woe. Okay, you had three woes. You had the first four trumpets, which affected the, the things on the earth. It affected the grass. It affected the waters. It affected the sun and the stars. So you had the first four judgments that affected the earth, the fresh water, the sea water, and the, the, the light on the earth from the sun and the moon. The fifth trumpet was a demonic invasion that gave sores for five months. The sixth trumpet was the 200 million demons that killed a third of mankind. The fifth trumpet and the sixth trumpet was the first and second woe judgments. The, third, the, the seventh trumpet is the third woe judgment. So the third, the, when the seventh trumpet sounds, it's the third woe. Now, what is the third woe? 
Remember, these are supernatural judgments. So the third woe is the introduction of the unholy trinity that is going to dominate and rule the earth for the last three and a half years. So here we have the introduction of the last three and a half years as the seventh trumpet, and this seventh trumpet is the third woe, and the third woe continues throughout the, the last three and a half years. The third woe is the reign of the unholy trinity. So in chapter 12, you have the introduction of the first part of that, which is the dragon. Okay? So let's look in chapter 12 of Revelation. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going a little fast. I'll slow down. I wonder if I could wait for you to do it. So the first three and a half years, six of those uh, trumpets are being, so that, that takes the first three and a half, and the last three and a half years, or the seventh one is just set aside for the last. The seventh trumpet includes the unholy trinity, which is a third woe judgment, and it includes the supernatural judgments of God, which includes the, the bold judgments. The bold judgments are an extension of the, also the, the seventh trumpet. So that will be in the second half. Second half. half. Okay. All those are in the second half. So uh, the 200 million demons, do they, do they get put away? Or? We'll talk about here. Okay. All right, chapter 12. It starts out, it says, A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. The question here is, who is this woman? Well, I would say that if you went back to Genesis 37, it is a reference back to Joseph. If you remember Joseph's dream? What did Joseph dream that caused his, his parents and his siblings to be so upset with him. Yes. So if you, if you, in Genesis 37, it says in verse 9, now he had still another dream and related to his brothers and said, lo, I have, I have had still another dream and behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now who is the sun and the moon and the 11 stars in this passage? His father, his mother, and his siblings. Okay, So I think this is clearly a reference to Israel because Joseph was a part of Israel and the 12 sons of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they flowed out of this relationship with Jacob and his wife and, the, and, and his wives and their 12 sons. And so this is definitely talking about Israel in chapter 12. In verse 3 it says, Another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth he might devour her child. So there's a couple things there. First, the, the dragon with the seven heads and the ten horns is a reference that is also used for the Antichrist. So this is a reference to the four kingdoms, Gentile kingdoms, in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 that God has ordained to carry out the punishment of the Jews until the times of Gentiles is completed. So between Nebuchadnezzar and the Antichrist rule, there are these Gentile kingdoms which are listed as having seven heads and ten horns. The seven heads are the progressive lineage of the kingdoms of the Roman Empire that lead up to the Antichrist. The ten kings are those ten kings that rule with the Antichrist at the first half of the tribulation and going into the second, and we'll see that in a minute. So Satan is the head or the god of this Gentile kingdom, this, the, the four kingdoms, especially the last kingdom, which is the kingdom of the, the fourth beast, which is the one that was indescribable which ends with the, with the time of the, the, uh, the Antichrist. So the male child that was about to be born is who? Jesus Christ. What happened when Jesus was born and Herod found out about it? He tried to kill all of the children to try to kill Jesus. So he's talking about trying to, to destroy what Satan has tried to do from the very beginning. When God promised a seed that was going to come, then Satan in Genesis chapter 6 the sons of God or the, the fallen angels came down and interhabited with the daughters of men to try to, to so pollute the, the 
lineage of God that no one seed could be born that would be redeemable for the humanity race. So he tried to destroy the humanity and the seed that could be coming through humanity, and God judged the world with a flood and destroyed those. So then, so here he has, it says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place preserved, prepared by God so that she might be nourished for 1,260 days. Now, the 1,260 days is the second half of the tribulation. It's 1,260 days. Jewish calendar has 30 days to a month, and three and a, uh, three and a, half, I mean, three and a half years is 42 months, and that equals 1,260 days. And so if you go to verse 14, when it's talking about the woman fleeing from the devil, it says, the two, the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she was nourished for a time, times, and a half a time, from the presence of the serpent. So the time, times, and half a time is equivalent to the 1260 days. Right? The same reference in, in chapter, in verse 6, the woman flees in the wilderness and preserved for 1260 days. And in chapter, in verse 14, she goes in the wilderness and is preserved for a time, times, and a half time. And that's important because go back to Daniel chapter 12. In Daniel chapter 12, it talks about this tribulation time. And the second half of the tribulation time, which is called the times of Jacob's trouble, when the Jews are tremendously persecuted. So chapter 12 of Daniel, verse 1, it says, Now at that time Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who's found written in the book, will be rescued. So during this time of great tribulation, there will be a rescuing of a remnant of Israel. Now that remnant, we know, is going to only be one-third of the living Jews at that time because in, in Zechariah 13, it tells us that two-thirds of Israel are going to die. It says in verse 8 of chapter 13 of, of, of Zechariah, and it will come about in all the land, declares the Lord, that two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but the third will be left in it, and I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them, and I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. So one-third of Israel that is going through this time of tribulation will be saved, but two-thirds of them will die during the second half of the tribulation. Now, Daniel's concerned about this. So in, verse, in chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 6, it says, And the one, the angel, uh, the one said to the man dressed in linen, Daniel's talking to the, the angel, who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be until the end of these wonders, or the end of this tribulation, this judgment? And I heard the man addressed in linen who was above the waters of the river as he raised his right hand, his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all the events will be completed. So here the time, times, and half a time is the 1260 days of the second half of the seven-year period, which is the 70th week of Daniel. Any questions? You see how Scripture compares with Scripture to bring it to clarity about what we're talking about here. Any questions? So here we're talking about this unholy trinity. Let's go on and look at what's happened to the, the, the dragon in, in chapter eleven of um, chapter twelve of Revelation again. In verse seven, there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. So Satan, at this time, at this moment, can go before God and accuse the brethren. He has access to God, just like he did when he went before God and said, Job. 
He only worships you because you bless him so much. And God used Job to demonstrate that Job was faithful and righteous no matter what God allowed Satan to do to him. So Satan has access to the throne of God. He is an angelic being. He was created as an angelic being. He has access to go with God. But at this moment in time, at the middle of the tribulation, he is cast down to earth. And he cannot go before God any longer. His time is short, and he's cast down to earth, and he becomes the God of this world in its entirety as far as allowed by God. He is the God of this world. He is the dragon. And for three and a half years, he pours out his wrath trying to destroy all of the people of Israel and anyone that would believe the gospel of the kingdom. So his wrath is increased he has a short time, and he is in full fury. And it says, And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child, and the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly to the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept up with the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened his mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So his warfare is against those who are proclaiming the truth of the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus is the king, that Jesus is the Lord. The Antichrist message is Jesus is not the Christ. He is not the God. The apostasy of the Christendom will be that Jesus is not the Christ. The Catholic Church, which holds to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, will change their message at the beginning of tribulation, and they will join with the one world religious system, and they will say Jesus is not God. We cannot use the name of Jesus, and we no longer will be called Christians. We will reject Christendom. It's not just that. All those who claim the name of Christ that are not true believers, that are not caught up with the church, will be a part of the religious system that will reject Jesus Christ. That's the program of the Antichrist is to be anti-Christ. And the reason that he allows Israel, he signs a covenant with Israel. The covenant is not a peace covenant. It is allowing Israel to have temple worship Worshiping the God of the Old Testament because they have already rejected Jesus Christ and rejected Him as Lord. And He gives them a caveat and He allows them to have temple worship for three and a half years. In Daniel chapter 9, He says, The prince who is to come, which is the Antichrist, will sign a covenant. In chapter 9, verse 27, He will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week He will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings, and on the wing of abomination will come one who makes desolate, even a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the people, on the one who makes desolate. So the, at the midpoint of the tribulation, we're going to have what we talk about as the abomination of desolation. It is when the Antichrist, who has made a treaty with Israel, allowing them to have temple worship, so the temple will be built either before the beginning of the tribulation at least by the middle, because they will, be in, they will be sacrificing in the temple at the midpoint, and He will bring that to an end. And when He does that, He will also do what is called the abomination of desolation. So at the midpoint, we're at the midpoint now, things are going to take place. And what's going to take place first is that the Antichrist is going to consolidate his power. So in Daniel chapter 7... When it talks about the fourth beast, and it talks about the end, the end game or the, the final days of the fourth beast, it talks about this fourth kingdom. And it says in Daniel chapter 7, verse 23, Thus he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. In other words, the fourth kingdom which began with the Roman Empire in Jesus, before Jesus' day and during Jesus' day and will be revived again into a one-world religious system, I mean one-world system politically that will be an extension of the Roman Empire and it will be divided into ten kings. And these will, these will have a one-world political system that will control the politics of the whole world. Okay? And then it says, And as for the ten horns, out of this kingdom, out of this one-world system, there will be ten kings arise that will rule over ten divisions of that one world system. And these ten kings will rise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. 
So there's going to be a warfare at the midpoint where the Antichrist tries and does, takes over the political power of the world. And there's a warfare against the ten kings. And he kills three of those, and the others will submit to him. But in the meantime, the Antichrist is killed. The Antichrist is killed. Go back to chapter tw uh, 13 of Revelation. The Paul, the reason that they're, they're willing to be led by these kings is because they, uh, they have all these famines and, and they're kind of looking to somebody. No, 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 no. This system will be put in place prior to the, the judgments that are unfolded. The one world system will be put in place at the beginning and the ten kings will come in place right after that. And then the, I, think the, I think the Antichrist will be the one who will orchestrate this whole political system. And then at the midpoint he's going to take it over. He's going to use the ten kings and the world system politically. He's going to use the one world religious system uh, spiritually or emotionally to, to get the will of the people behind him. And he's going to use both of these entities for his own gain. He's going to use the political system that's in place, and he's going to use the religious systems in place to get power, and then at the midpoint he's going to take it all over. We'll see that in a minute. But it'll, they'll already be in power. So it won't come, about, it won't come as a result of the, the famines. So when they flee to the wilderness at the three and a half year mark, are they in the wilderness for that long? Yes. Is it just the elect of Israel? No, no. It's the ones that come out of Jerusalem. And we'll see that when we look at the uh, Matthew 24 passage. Jews will be scattered around the world. Not everybody that's a Jew will come to, to the wilderness. The ones that are in Jerusalem will flee to the, to the wilderness. Okay? For three and a half years. Okay, so this, this, this war that takes place, chapter 12, I mean chapter 13, verse 1. It says, And he stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. That's that same definition that Satan had. The ten... The, the seven heads and ten horns is a reference to the final stage of the times of the Gentiles ruling, which is the fourth kingdom and the time of the Antichrist. So the, the beast coming up out of the sea having ten horns and seven heads, and his horns were ten diadems, and on his head were the blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and on his throne, and, his, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as he had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. So it says here that I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain. Well, if you go to chapter, uh, I mean, verse, uh, verse 14, when it's talking about the false prophet here, in a minute we'll get to that. It talks about the signs which he's going to do. It says in verse 14, And he, the false prophet, deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. The Antichrist was killed with the sword. And he comes to life. So he is an antichrist or a type of Christ in the sense that Satan is trying to be like God. And God has a holy trinity. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Satan wants to be like God. Satan wants to be like the Father. He wants to be God Almighty, and he wants to have his Antichrist be like the Son, and he wants to have this false prophet that's going to be introduced here in a second to be like the Holy Spirit. So he is being like God in the fact that he is putting in place an unholy trinity which is going to dominate the world for three and a half years. And the first thing he does is he brings back to life this Antichrist, this prince who is to come, this beast that has been put into power, that has, is, is going to subdue these other kingdoms, these other kings. He brings him back to life to give him an aura of supernaturality. And so the people look at that, and they begin to worship it. And that's what happens. So if you remember, back in chapter 11, we talked about the two witnesses that are witnessing in Jerusalem for 1,260 days of the first half. And they have power to, to bring fire down from heaven. They have power to slay people that try to come against them. They have enormous power, the power like Elijah and like Moses, to do miraculous things. And the people are so afraid of them and so in awe of them and so uh, hateful of them. And when the Antichrist comes back to life, the first thing he does at the midpoint is to kill these two witnesses. And the people are, whoa, okay. 
And they lay in the streets for three and a half days and the people celebrate and they give gifts and, they, and they're just excited because this supernatural person that came up from the dead has had the power to kill these two witnesses. And then all of a sudden, these two witnesses are resurrected by God and they go straight up to heaven. This is a final sign of Jonah. Jesus told them to the Pharisees, there'll be no more sign given to you except the sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah is a sign of resurrection. Jonah was brought back from the dead out of the fish. He, it was a type of resurrection. He was brought out of the belly of the fish, and he was brought back to, to life. These two witnesses is the final sign of Jonah. They're resurrected for the whole world season, and they, they are resurrected, and they go up to heaven. So the Antichrist has put, put an end to them, and they've gone to heaven, and now he is consolidating his power. It says in chapter 17 of Revelation, when it's talking about these ten kings. It says in verse 12 of chapter 17, And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. So the ten kings, minus the three that die, submit the political power to the Antichrist. And so you go back to chapter 13, and you continue with the reading in chapter 13 of where he has come back to life. And it says in verse uh, 4, They worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. So the last 1260 days, the last three and a half years, the last times, time and a half a time are the 42 months that the Antichrist is going to rule as the God of this world, or as the king of this world, with Satan being the God of the world. Okay? So you have the unholy trinity here. So here you have him giving the authority to reign for the last three and a half years of the tribulation, and he is going to dominate. Okay? Now, hold on. We're going to get there. Okay. So at the same time that this happens, what does, go back to chapter 17 of Revelation. What does the ten kings do with the Antichrist? In verse, chapter 17, verse 14, they will wage war against the Lamb. The Lamb will overcome them. This is at the end, but this is a preview of that. And the Lamb will, will overcome them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with Him are, call, are the called and chosen and faithful. And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. The waters are the Gentile nations that the beast comes out of. He is the ruler of the times of the Gentiles. It is the Gentile nations that, have, that God has used these four kingdoms to come out of to judge Israel, to bring them to a place of repentance at the end of this tribulation time. And so this is where they come out. They're Gentile nations that they're ruling over. And it says in verse 16, And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and will burn her with fire. For God has put it in their heart to execute His purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. So at the midpoint of tribulation, the kings submit to the Antichrist as the authority, as the dictator of the world, and they also destroy the religious system. The harlot is, is, is spoken of over here in verse 3. He says, And he carried me away, uh, chapter 17, He carried me away to, in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names and having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a, coal, a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of the, her immorality. And upon her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the, of the witnesses of the Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. This is the religious system that was put in place at the beginning when the church is raptured out and Christendom apostatizes into this one world religious system and all the religions of the world come together into this one system and they persecute and kill anyone that comes to believe in Jesus Christ because of the preaching of 144,000. At the midpoint, the Antichrist and the Ten Kings destroy the religious system. It's done away with. There's no more worshiping of this through this religious system 
the, the worship of humanity, the worship of whatever their tenets are of their religion. So in chapter 13, you understand why. Back to chapter 13. Verse 7, it was given to him, the one who has been given authority for 42 months. It was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance of the faith of the saints. So here you have this Antichrist who is going to take over the whole world and everyone in the world whose name is not written in the book of life, everyone in the world who is not the elect of God will bow down and worship him. They will bow down and worship him. And this is part of the reason why they will. In verse 11, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell on it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. And he performs great signs so that even... He even makes fire come down from out of heaven and to the earth in the presence of men. He deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who worship, who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and had come to life. And there was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, and the image of the beast might even speak and, even, and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small, the great, the rich, and the poor, and the free men, and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one should be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. So the false prophet comes up. This is a, this is a, new, a new personality. He's introduced, and he has the same power and authority as the first beast given to him by the dragon. And he comes and he gives life to the image of the beast. Where is that image of the beast? It's in the Holy of Holies, in the temple in Jerusalem. That is the abomination of desolation. At the midpoint of the tribulation, the Antichrist comes in to the Holy of Holies, declares himself to be God, the false prophet puts an image of the beast into the Holy Holies, and this image can cause people to die if they do not worship the Antichrist. And this is the abomination of desolation. And the abomination of desolation, it says in Daniel chapter 12, will continue past, it will continue past the second coming of Christ in the temple. It will stay in the temple until, look in Daniel real quick, this is a side note, we'll get to this later. But in Daniel chapter 12, when it gives the time frame, it says here in verse 11 of Daniel chapter 12, and from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished, that is the midpoint of the tribulation, the, the, Daniel chapter 9 says that he will allow the sacrifices to continue until the midpoint, and then he will destroy that. So from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Now, he has just said, blessed is he who keeps waiting and stains to the 1335th day. Now, 1260 days from the midpoint to the second coming of Christ. 42 months. Christ comes back at the end of the 42 months, at the end of the 1260 days, at the end of the seven years. Exactly. Christ comes back to earth. He destroys the Antichrist. There's a 75-day window. And the 75-day window, we'll talk about what is involved in the 75-day window. But one of the things that takes place in the 75-day window is the removal of the abomination of desolation. Okay? Because it says the, the, the abomination will be there for 1,290 days, which is 30 days past the 1,260 days. And then it says how blessed is the one who attains to the 1,335th day. Now, what is that? That's the marriage feast of the Lamb. That's the inaugural event of the kingdom age. Who is going to attain to the 1335th day? We'll talk about it. The judgment of the sheep and the goats. It's at the second coming of Christ. He comes down at the, at, from, from heaven with the angels, sits on his glorious throne in, in Jerusalem, and he brings in all the living Gentiles, and he separates the sheep from the goats. And the goats die and go to hell. 
their souls go to hell waiting on the resurrection for the great white throne judgment. The sheep in their physical bodies go into the kingdom age, and this judgment is right before the kingdom begins. So the ones that are blessed are the ones that do not die and are allowed to go into the kingdom age in their physical bodies as Gentiles. And they attain to the 13th and 35th day, which is the beginning of the Messianic kingdom. Okay. Now, how and when is the abomination and desolation removed? We know that in Ezekiel it talks about the millennial temple. The millennial temple is different than this temple. It will be built by God. And it will be a whole new different type of temple. I would propose that in the middle of this 75 days, at the 1290-day period, that that temple is demolished with the abomination of desolation. The new temple is built. You remember the passage when Jesus said, in three days I will tear this down and build it back. And we know he's talking about his body. In three days, his body was going to be put to, to the earth and he's going to be brought back. But you know in Scripture, there are dual meanings to passages that sometimes we don't know about until it's fulfilled later. I'm not saying this is scriptural, but I'm just saying there's a, there's a possibility that it will take Jesus three days to rebuild that temple for the millennial kingdom. And that's when the abomination desolation will be, do, will be done away with and will be gone. Okay. Now, one other thing real quickly before we go. Everybody wants to ask me about the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is imposed at the time of the middle of the tribulation when the Antichrist has been resurrected or brought back to life. He's not resurrected with a resurrected body. He's brought back to life in a physical body that's going to die again because the Lord's going to kill him at his coming. But with the, with the incorporation of this unholy trinity, you have the dragon, you have the beast, and you have the false prophet. You have the destruction of the religious system you have the destruction of the political system. You have a one-world dictator, a, a, a god of this world, and an unholy, unholy, holy, uh, holy spirit that are going to be acting as the unholy trinity. This is the third woe, when the supernatural demonic kingdom exists on earth. Okay, And so to prove that you are in his kingdom a true worshiper and believer in Satan and his king, you must take his mark. And that mark is a sign that you have given your soul or given your life, put your faith and trust into this system or this person, and you have taken him as your God. That's what it means. When you take the mark of the beast, you're taking him as your God. Okay? Now, in chapter 14... Verse 9, another angel, this is a proclamation in chapter 14, another angel, a third one, followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehand or forehead or his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. He will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. If you receive the mark of the beast, it means you are not one that was described in verse 8 of chapter 13. When it says all those who dwell on the earth will worship him. All those who dwell on the earth will take his mark. All those who dwell on him will be destroyed because they have taken, they worship the beast, except who's the ones whose name has been written in the book of the life of the Lamb from the foundation of the world. The elect cannot, will not take the mark of the beast. So just like the preaching of the gospel goes forth into all the world today to identify those whom God has, is regenerating and bringing to salvation, and their response is faith and repentance. The mark of the beast is to identify those who are 
rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and taking the Antichrist as their Lord and Savior. And so they are identifying that they are not part of the elect. In Matthew 24, when Jesus is speaking in this whole passage dealing with this tribulation time, and he mentions in Jerusalem those who see the sign of the abomination of desolation. He says in Matthew 24, Verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who are in, Ju let those who are in Judea fly to flee to the mountains. So he's talking about those specifically that are in that, uh, that arena. So those in Judea, let them who are in Judea, Judea fly, flee to the mountains, and let him who is on the housetop not go down to get the things out of that are in his house, and let him who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are with child, to those who nurse babes in those days. But pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. And unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days shall be cut short. Now, the days are 442 months. The days are 1260 days. He's not saying he's shortening the time that has been ordained. What he's saying is, if he has not brought that to an end at the exact time, and he had not brought to an end the tribulation time, no one would be left but for the sake of the elect. And he's talking about the elect that's going into the millennial kingdom in their physical bodies. Because if the, if the elect die, they go to heaven. That's, for the sake of those that are going into the kingdom age in their physical bodies, he brings it to an end so that the devil and the Antichrist will not kill everybody on earth, except those who take the mark of the beast. Okay? So, the abomination of desolation is, is, uh, is a sign that the Antichrist is ruling as the God of this world, and those that take his mark will uh, worship him and will give their life to him. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Um, I went real fast, and I covered a lot of ground. Uh, one other passage before we go there. Revelation chapter 20. This is after Christ comes back, and he's talking about the resurrection of the righteous. And he says, uh, he, mentioned, he brings into play the thousand years. But anyway, he says in verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they set upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of, their of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So here he's talking about the martyrs of the second half of the tribulation, that were martyred by the Antichrist who cut their heads off because they would not take the mark of the beast. And here he's talking about their resurrection prior to the thousand-year kingdom age when they will be resurrected to reign with Christ for the thousand years.